You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. What you got? Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And I'm very excited because I have been waiting to have this phenomenal woman back on the show for some time now. And I finally got her here with me. And that is Mrs. Langray Carroll. And you would remember Langray from the episode that we did Ooh, 2019, it was, oh my goodness, 2019, and it was the single heart part one and part two. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, be sure to go back and check it out. But today I'm super excited to have her here for this topic of conversation. But before we get started, let me say, hey, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) This is starting to feel like home. Good, because we would like to have you here often. <laughs> Every time Langray and I get to talking, it, it always turns into a wonderful, long conversation where the Lord is just like speaking through us. And when we're done, we're just like, huh, that was great. <laughs> so we're so excited to really get into this topic. Today, we're going to be talking about transitioning transitioning from being single to engaged to married. As you all know, I recently got married. (laughs) I think I've been married now for maybe, maybe not eight, not nine days, a whole nine days. Whole nine days. (laughs) And Mrs. Carol has been married for two. We're going on two years in May. Going on two years in May. So to think because time definitely does fly and I think what's amazing is that all three seasons are still fresh in our head yes so we're not too far gone where we just don't remember what it's like and to be single or engaged and can't be relatable we remember because it's still pretty fresh so (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this if you guys were tuned into the live we did on Instagram last week Sunday um, I re- we really talked about some of this. We sort of touched on it. So do go back and listen to that live. If you follow Langray at langray.carol, of course, I will put it in the show notes. Then you will see the live that we did. And of course, all the lives that she does. She's just a burst of energy. Basically, <laughs> you, will, you will absolutely love her. God is giving me a gift to be a natural encourager. There you go. That is literally, she is a natural encourager and like hype woman (laughs) altogether. (laughs) I like that. Just hyping you in the Holy Spirit. She's just there for it. So I I absolutely love that. So today, like I said, we're talking about transitioning from single, engaged to married. And the first thing I want to ask you is when you were single, what was your idea of what married life would be? Yeah. So. I thought about this question quite a bit. And to be honest with you, 
I didn't think about marriage much when I was single. I wanted to be married, but I didn't spend like a lot of time thinking about my wedding day or any of those things. Um, marriage has always been something that I have seen excellent examples of in my family. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was 11. So even from that age, I didn't really get to see the model of marriage in my household. So it was something that was there, but it wasn't so uh, at the forefront of my thought process. I guess I thought about marriage very vaguely that, you know, marriage in marriage, your teammates, your partners, and it's a long game. It's something that you you don't want to rush into because it's going to be something that's forever. And that might have been just the extent of how much thought I gave to marriage life. I completely agree with what you said. Even with myself, I think I spent as a child more time daydreaming about being a mother than I did about a wedding or being married. My parents were divorced when I was eight. And they were not the best example of married life. I remember being an eight-year-old child knowing that it was time for them to get a divorce at eight. I knew. I was like, no, this can't go on. Um, So when I thought about marriage, it was sort of, I knew all the things I didn't want it to be Mm -hmm. rather than what it should be. So I, I would say, well, you know, if I marry somebody, I don't want them to be like that, or I don't want us to do this and I don't want us to do that. But I didn't understand or fully comprehend what it is for two people to come together and work as one, the constant sacrifice sort of give and take, right? So it's not going to be your way all of the time. It's not going to be their way all of the time. It's finding balance. It's finding compromise. It's also listening to sound wisdom and advice. And I think what I didn't take into account as well for me was I was raised very independent, very strong. I can do things by myself. (laughs) So I expected to sort of carry on with certain things that I have been doing Whereas Cornell is more of like, hey, I can do that. I can handle that. I'm just like, are you sure? Because I don't have, it's the patience that I'm learning. (laughs) For me. (laughs) It's the patience for me. Because, and I think we talked about this even in our pre-marital counseling with my pastor. And I feel like I'm jumping forward, but I'll bring it back in a second. But she was saying So with women, we tend to know how to get things done and we'll execute it very quickly because we know what we're doing. For sure. We ask somebody else to do it and they take long. My idea is fine. I will pick it back up and I will do it because it would have been done if I did it. Mm -hmm. My pastor said to me, she asks her husband to do things and she has mentally prepared a three month waiting time. And I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? She said, I asked him to do something once or twice and I will not ask again for three months. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that is, that is learnt wisdom. They've been married like 30 plus years. That is learnt wisdom. And I'm like, Lord, that is some sort of peace (laughs) and understanding that I have yet to attain because in my mind, I'm just like, you could it we it'll take two minutes if you just do it now. We don't have to wait six weeks. We can do it now. So I think even just learning how to not be the head of my house is a learning experience for me. For sure. Because even when my parents, when my mom married her ex-husband, she was still the head. Yeah. Not because she wanted to be, 
but because I saw her husband deferring to her because he thought she knew best. Right. So that's all I knew. Like I knew as a woman, this is how you make sure you get the bills paid every month. I know how to take the trash. Like I, I used to say I'm every woman. I can cover all, all the, all the areas. Most of so, us can, for sure. You know, I think, I think women are incredible. We definitely have been given a special grace to multitask in to manage multiple different things. I find that sometimes men are very one tracked. They are, you know, God has given them a special grace to see, to stay focused. <laughs> and then he's given us helpmates uh, to be helpmates because of the fact that we can often juggle a lot. But in that comes this beautiful grace and this balance of learning. Yes, you can do a lot, but not to try to do it all to where you're then Absurding your husband's headship. I think that one of the reasons why I didn't really think too much about married life too is because one, I didn't like society's gender roles that they were portraying. I just, I was like, does this even look like what we can do in this day and age? And of course, like, you know, that whole, the husband is the head of the household. He goes to work, he pays the bills, the woman's places in the, is in the kitchen. And she's the, the pretty little lady who cooks and cleans and does all those things. And for me, it was like, I, one, I grew up in a household where my mom was the bread earner. My mom was the one who brought in the most money. And she was the one who was pretty, pretty much like getting up, going to work and stuff like that. But there was a mutual, I did see a mutual respect between her and my father, but of course it warped my, that whole notion of these gender roles. And then fast forward you know, I definitely had not seen up close or to where I could kind of ask those questions or glean from the inside of what a godly marriage was or what a Christian, like when Christ is the focus marriage was. So I think I didn't think too much about marriage because I got saved at 21. So I was still just in that dating mindset. But then when I started to shift to thinking about marriage and realizing and recognizing that I wanted a, a mate, it was like, what does this whole arena even look like? What is God's order from it? And I could not stand the church's um, <laughs> notion of it, of this skewed view of submission and headship. So married life could not come from exterior knowledge or observation. It really had to be, okay, God, talk to me about married life, <laughs> you know? What was your original design and purpose? And how does, how, what, what would I look like as a wife? Because I am not a cook. I am probably out of Robin and I, I am probably the messier one for sure. Um, and so, you know, learning those, learning and, and being open to God, showing me that element in that aspect of my personality and my demeanor. Oh my goodness. When you said <laughs> the gender roles and the submission, those are the things that used to bother me. First of all, I couldn't even handle the word submission growing up. I did not like it. And I think because it, it wasn't properly explained to me until I got older, or if it was explained, I just did not understand. But submission was like a like it was like you cussed at me. Anytime a preacher would say something about submission, I would shut down because I didn't understand or like why I, it was my responsibility to be submissive to a man. What I was missing was wives submit 
to your husbands as they submit to Christ. I missed that part. Yes. <laughs> I missed that part. That part is often left out. <laughs> and that's why I didn't understand it. So I had to, even I remember when I felt like, okay, Lord, I think I'm ready, you know, for a husband. I knew that was an area that I needed to work on. So I was asking God to help me with submission, with listening, with taking advice from somebody else, with trying something different, um, with having your own opinion, still being respected in your opinion, but knowing that some things are for your husband to decide after he's communed with God on, on the topic. So I think that was something that I really had to work on and actually shift, start shifting my mind while single for that, as well as, I mean, like you're saying with, with specific gender roles, I know growing up, my mom is also the breadwinner, right? So that's also what I'm used to. Um, I've never seen a household personally that I've been around where the man was the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. So coming into a relationship where it's the other way around, it was like, oh, this is different. This is also kind of nice. This is very different um, than what I'm used to experience. But even simple things, like I used to, I remember as a young child watching my mom spend all day at work, come home, cook dinner. After she's cooked dinner, she everybody else is eating and she's still cleaning up. Then she comes to sit down to eat and her food is cold. And that... For me, it was just like, I'm never going to be like this. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't take, I like to cook, but I like to cook not because it was an expectation. Right. I like to cook because I wanted to cook. Mm-hmm. So I remember even on my prayer list of things that I wanted in a husband, it was really, really important to me that he loved to cook because I know that I don't love to cook. I mean, I can cook, but it's not a love of mine. Sometimes it's like whatever I can pull together, I'm fine eating. And lo and behold, I meet Cornell who loves to cook. (laughs) Literally, it is his outlet. Like our whole kitchen design is surrounded by what he needs because that is his area of peace. And I was speaking to Langray before we press record about, you know, preparing for what you prayed for. So I specifically prayed that. And it's funny, my brother is a chef. Um, He was a chef here in Bermuda before he moved with his wife to Canada. She married my brother, who's a chef. So my brother does most of the cooking in the house. Her dad did most of the cooking in her house. That's what she was used to, right? So there we are. I'm so happy I've met Cornell. This is great. He loves to cook. I prayed for this. What I did not realize is that because he loves to cook, that creates a lot of dishes and he doesn't <laughs> dishes. And I was like to myself, I was like, you know what, Lord, this is fine. Balance, balance. If he's going to cook, I can handle the dishes Woo, until so ladies married life. And I realized how many dishes cooking like that actually requires because there are all sorts of kitchen gadgets. And I was saying to him, I was like, honey. Honey, it was maybe day three. I was like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> I don't like this dishwashing. Uh, nine days in, like, like I'm done. No, listen, let this, for the ladies who are listening, be specific in mm-hmm. your prayers. <laughs> You've got to be specific. Um, talking about submission as unto the Lord. 
and sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. I don't, um, and, and talking about, uh, washing dishes too. I remember I had a, I had a moment, I had a moment in my head where I was just like, Lord, I'm not the only one in this house who eats. There's always just in the sink. I feel like this is like going on week two where I've had to wash the dishes and the Holy spirit checked me so quick and was like, dishes are not gender neutral. You both live in this house. This is your home. This is your domain. Like you care for it. It doesn't matter if it's the 10th time you do it. Like you're going to do it. You're going to do it without grumbling and complaining. And I kid you not, like I wash dishes now and dishes, just all of it, just all of the, the learning. And we can talk obviously about the transition from singleness to marriage, but you know, it's one thing when it's just you by yourself single and you cook something because you only have like one bowl, one spoon, <laughs> one plate. But when it's, you know, another person, you're, you're, you're kind of just like, wow, this is more dishes than I ever thought. And it's daily. It's a constant thing. So um, that's one of the areas where I feel like, you know, just a woman's most powerful place in her marriage is her prayer closet, because that is where the Lord is going to help you to submit, help you to kind of like overlook those things that try to, you know, entice you to nag your husband or to get easily like, I told you to do this, or how come this is to, you know, get into our emotions and our flesh. So I find that, um, really keeping the Lord at the forefront of everything we do will help even us to keep, to be those peacemakers in our home, to be those women who kind of, you know, are suitable helpmates and not naggy Bettys. (laughs) I think it's really like consistent, growth. And one of the things that I had to adjust to is I had never lived with anyone really out of being my mom. I mean, the first, second year of uni, I had roommates, but that didn't even last long. Other than that, I was always either living with my mom at home or living by myself, never living with a man before. So this was this sort of transition of you've never lived with somebody before, all of a sudden you're married, (laughs) bam, (laughs) you are living with somebody, you are learning different parts of them, what they like to do versus what you like to do. And, and even, you know, being prayerful and being humble because we speaking on the same topic of dishes, we're supposed to have a, like, because our house is still in renovation while we're living here, the dishwasher, although we have it, it's not installed. I never thought I would need a dishwasher because I grew up in a house without a dishwasher. What do I need a dishwasher for? It's simple until now where I'm like, oh, can somebody please fix the dishwasher? (laughs) But the other night, Cornell was hungry at maybe 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. And he went downstairs and he appeared with fish and chips, like fresh fried fish and, and French fries. I was like, I feel like we just went to ice cream in the middle of the night for food. And he's come up. Okay, so we eat the fish and chips. He falls asleep. I fall asleep. I wake up. It's four o'clock in the morning. I go downstairs. I like realize that he's left the TV on. So I get in the kitchen. The TV's on. Turn the TV off. Like turn around in the kitchen, and I'm like, "What happened here?" And you guys can't, I can't. Sorry, you guys can't see my face, but my eyes open wide, and I'm like, "It looks like a tornado struck in the kitchen." Because usually, while he's in there cooking. I'm right behind him cleaning. So I'm taking things when he's done and cleaning them. So at the end, it wouldn't be that many dishes. 
So it's four o'clock in the morning. I say, it's fine, Shante. It's fine. Just go back upstairs and go to sleep. So I go back upstairs, you know, I go to sleep. I wake up. I say, honey, the kitchen is a mess. He's like, oh, right, right. I'll clean it. I said, good. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Good. Cause I'm not going to clean that. How can you clean <laughs> like that? Come on. It's like, it's, you got, ugh. so I'm talking to myself anyway. We haven't fully gone on honeymoon yet. We start our both being off tomorrow and then go away on Saturday. And all of a sudden he just starts getting work calls and work calls keep coming in and coming in. And it's like getting like 10, 30, 11, the kitchen still looks like that. And I was like, you can either take your stance and declare that you're not cleaning this kitchen, or you can just go downstairs and realize that he is working and you are off. And you I'm can loving this. the kitchen. So I went there and I'm washing dishes and I'm cleaning and I'm almost done. And he came back downstairs and he was like, oh, you cleaned up. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. And it all worked out. But it's just consistently learning and being in a place to navigate mm-hmm. and call the Holy Spirit at all times to help you navigate certain things that you're not used to, or maybe you didn't even see as being a challenge or an issue or an area where you need to grow in. So I think that is another thing that, that helps. I mean, another area when, now that we're speaking about preparing for what you prayed for, I really had on my prayer list that I want my husband to be like financially sound, Mm-hmm. Like know how to manage money. Gainfully employed. Gainfully <laughs> like employed, but also know how to manage money, know yeah, how to invest, right. like have that, I can't find the word I'm looking for, but in uh, financial savviness. Yeah, there's a word for it, but the financial intellect I wanted him to have. Cornell's got that. What I did not realize was that means that I would need some lessons in changing my own spending and saving habits. Ooh. Come on now. <laughs> and that, every time he would offer me advice on my finances, I would have to like come into myself and say, you prayed for this. This is the man you prayed for. You prayed for this. You, this is the man you prayed for. Because just being by myself and being a woman in business and, you know, being a lawyer and being able to spend my money where I want, yeah, not necessarily in the right ways. And I knew that. That's why I asked for that in my husband. I knew I wasn't great in the spending and saving area. But then to have somebody come in with sound advice, mind you, the Mm -hmm. advice is good, but I just didn't want to hear it. So Mm -hmm. even while single and we would have these conversations, I would get so mad and I would have to keep going back to the Holy Spirit and just like, please help me. Please help me to understand. Please open up my mindset. Please help me to change my spending habits because I know there's a lot of things that you would have me to do, Lord. And if I don't understand how to handle your finances, which is what you happen to be talking about this month, right? Or next month. Yeah, next month. If I don't happen, if I don't know how to handle your finances, you won't be able to trust me in order to bless other people because I know. And then if I can't really handle my $10, how am I going to handle 1 million? Like it's the same process of yeah. handling your money, whether it's ten dollars, a hundred, a hundred thousand, a hundred million. It's the same things that you need to know, the same foundation. So I've learned to appreciate the financial wisdom that comes with my husband, but it took me a while, even having those conversations when we recorded. Yeah. A bit of a hard conversation to have. It's it certainly takes humility to 
receive a person, especially when you've been single, you've kind of gotten set in certain, certain your ways, you know, you, you have your way of doing things. It may not be the best, but you know, you, you've been, you've been independent. You've been the keeper of your own domain in a sense, you know? And so I find that one of the hard things that I, I don't know if I should say hard, but that comes with the tradition is that some things about yourself, you just don't know until you get in a relationship. So even when you're single, you can prepare yourself so much for a mate. You can spend time with the Lord. You could pray about your mate. You can do all these things, but it's when you actually have somebody who's in front of you, you know, who, who may be better in an area that you are learning how you actually receive, like that, that maybe you are a bit defensive and now you have to humble yourself in this area or that, um, this person really, you know, that it comes from a place of love, but it's also, this person is just better in this area than you are. And so what I found, and I think what really helped me this, that first year of our marriage is I looked at, I one went into it. I was like, give yourself a lot of grace. You are adapting and adjusting. And that's what this whole first year is going to be all about is just, you're just adapting. You haven't lived like similar to me. I never lived with a man before. I grew up in a girl world. It's me, my mom, and my sisters. I know how girls operate. Like, <laughs> but to actually live with a man, you know, all of these different things, like, and then Robin and I couldn't be more opposite. I'm very, I'm very much an extrovert. He's very quiet. I love like, you know, to, to be on social media. He's like, please don't put the camera on me. You know, I can be moving so quick in doing stuff that. Sometimes like, um, I just, I, I'm not as um, cautious. And so he, a lot of times can be very cautious, especially like when I'm cooking, he's like, babe, put this here. And I have to be able to humble myself and receive it. Cause sometimes, you know, in the past I was like, oh, just leave me alone. Let me just do my thing. But there have also, since then, there's been a handful of occasions where I've been doing my thing and injured myself. Like, cooking food and accidentally cut my finger or something like this. And so I have had to learn to appreciate the way my husband is and that what he is teaching me, what he is showing me, encouraging me to slow down sometimes and to really think about what I'm doing opposed to just doing it is for my good. And so I would say that that is a space that you have to carve out in your transition, especially coming from being single is room for someone who loves you, who has been sent by God to speak into you and to help you to become better and to, to not be defensive because, you know, us women, sometimes we're like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to. <laughs> and that gets checked and that gets humble. But that first year, that courting period in that first year of marriage, it's all just give yourself room to adjust and grow. And the best way I heard it explained is that look at your marriage, like, or look at your relationship even as an infant. Your marriage is only nine days old. My marriage is only two years old. Like, what do two-year-olds know? <laughs> you know, and so if if we're only two years old, then there's so much that we still have to learn. There's so many things that, you know, God is trying to teach me and how to love my husband and vice versa for him. So, you know, when there's been disagreements and learning how to come back together and communicate, it's all just, all right, this is this is re- really where you work out what you say you believe about forgiveness and about mercy and compassion and about serving others because servants are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Like it, it all comes down to it. And 
prayerfully, you know, you meet a spouse who is mutually trying to become their best and listen to God and, and grow and learn and adapt as well. I think that's when it's the most successful. It, it, it sucks when you have one person who's like that and the other one's not. But even in, in that, you can still you can still do so much and be so powerful in your home when you choose to continue to honor God and how you treat your spouse and how you maintain your home and carry yourself. I agree. I agree. And I think when God brings two people together, he has already considered your weaknesses, their weaknesses, their strengths and your strengths. And he's found a way to make sure that we perfectly balance each other out in different areas. So a lot of the times when you're even in the, the courting stage, it's them shining a light on your weaknesses and you shining a light on their weaknesses. And that can be really hard to cope with vulnerable because nobody likes to be point uh, their flaws to be pointed out. <laughs> nobody likes that, but also knowing and understanding that in order for you to grow and become the fullness um, walk in the fullness of who God would have you to be, you need to identify the areas that you are weak. Mm-hmm. God tells us that, you know, in our weakness, he is strong, right? So if God has provided you with a partner who can identify that, honey, you're quick to spend. Yeah. Not really thinking about it. Like honey, even when, you run too fast with sharp objects in your hand. <laughs> right. We have to learn how to take that and, and, and know that, okay, all right, that, that might be right. And Another thing that I learned is is when I'm shining a light on my husband's weaknesses and there are some things that, you know, that I would say and he wouldn't agree with. And then later on, I would turn out to be right. It's the need is to let go of the need to say, I told you so. For sure. Like that, I had to remove that from my vocabulary. And I remember, I can't remember what it was, but something and I told him and he didn't agree and I just left it alone. I remember what it was. And then I said, okay. And then, you know, it all went downhill and he looked at me. He's like, you're dying to say, I told you so. And I said, no, because at the end of the day, we're still growing. So I'm not going to say, I told you so. Just like, I don't expect you to say that. Cause I think that's always, you know, an extra nail in the back when somebody says, I told you so. <laughs> so even, you know, just learning and understanding and always looking for ways to grow together and individually. For sure. Well. What was the hardest part of the courting? I would say opening my heart to receive this person that God had presented to me. I think for a lot of women, especially, you know, those who have been praying, maybe, you know, have had past dating relationships, a lot of people have experienced disappointment or heartbreak. And so there is this temptation to give in to fear when somebody is presenting themselves to you and the temptation because of that fear could lead to self-sabotage, which is maybe this isn't the person or and you start picking apart and looking for all of their flaws so that you can just write it off as this is not God. Let me just retreat and run away. I think it also looks like a lot of projecting. You know, um, like I said, there's some things that are not revealed to you about you until another person steps into your life. So you can be all good and fine and dandy because you're single and you don't have anybody who's um, causing emotions or feelings to arise. 
And so I think um, staying prayerful in the courtship process is super important because I'll be honest, like when I met my husband, although I fully was in a space where I, I was open handed to God's will. And I was kind of like, if you bring him, you know, this, these are the things that I, I know are deal breakers. These are the things that I'm definitely looking for and will be an indication to move forward. Um, but even when I met Robin, I was still like, I don't know this Joe from Adam or Eve. And so <laughs> Lord, I put this in, I put my heart in your hands. Like, of course I'm scared to get heartbroken. Of course, of course I'm scared to kind of open up my heart and then this not be it, especially when I've had this desire for so long and I've been petitioning, but Lord, I trust you. I trust you to keep me. I trust you to keep me in contentment and peace that fly high or low, whether this, this man is my husband or whether, you know, in our 10th month of dating, he exit stage right my peace and my contentment and my my that I won't be rattled and um with with courting I would say guarding your heart is super important that's why um in the Psalms of Solomon where it talks about you know daughters don't awaken love until it's time because we are so precious our heart our love is so precious when women love I mean when men love too let me not just, you know, make it, but when women love, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm here for you. What do you need? I'll cook for you, baby. I'll do everything you need. And so just having that patience to kind of like have exercise self-control over your emotions, your excitement, even not that you can't have it, but it's also like, all right, don't, don't put the car before the horse. Don't start, you know, (laughs) like you still got to suss this man out and like pay attention to what he says and, and how he moves and how he treats people because the the marriage is the second biggest decision you will make next to your salvation. Who you marry is the second biggest decision ever. So you can't enter into it lightly. So um, yeah, I would say that that just letting go of some of those fears and those angst was the hardest part of courting. Um, continuing to not put my relationship before. Uh, this new exciting relationship before my time with God and guarding my heart in him, that those were the, those were the, the, the major things, especially with courting after being single for such a period of time. That was a lot. <laughs> it was, it was good though. And, and I remember my initial, I think we went out on our first, what did you call it? it wasn't a date. What was the meetup? We went out on our first meetup. Right? Meet not a first meet date. Up. It wasn't a date. <laughs> And I remember coming from there feeling so excited, feeling so comfortable, feeling like, oh my God, this feels right. Like it feels Mm -hmm. right. It doesn't feel, I don't feel rushed. I don't feel perplexed. I just feel sort of peace, excited, but there was a peace. And then I remembered like within the next 24 hours, I was like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Like I was, I come too far. Don't let him destroy my life. Like, listen, and I remember calling my mom and I'm explaining and she's in Jamaica and I'm explaining to her how I'm feeling it and things like that. And she says to me that you are feeling this way because you're scared of being hurt. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to read me on this conversation, but okay. She's like, you're basically afraid of being hurt and you don't want to step out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, mom, if you say so. 
So I had a conversation. I was on the way to church having this conversation with my mom. And once I hung up the phone, I had a conversation with the Lord. And I was like, listen, God, if this is, if this is you, if you have bought us together, then I'm leaving this in your hands. I will not have reservations. I am like literally putting my heart in your hands and stepping off the edge. So if I fall, Lord, you better catch me. (laughs) And that's, that was sort of the, how I took it going into it. And I remember like, even in my journal at the end, I would be talking to God about the relationship. And at the end of like every prayer or every journal entry, I'm like, but Lord, if this is not you, I don't want it. Like at every, every opportunity, but I also think it was important that I kept giving my relationship back to God so that he can bless it, cover it and give it back. Cause I was just like, you know what, Lord, you know, I'm not trying to step out of your will, been there, done that, learned my lesson. So just guide me in that way. And I think that was, the Lord really did guide us and, and allowed us to date, at least for me, differently. So, and I remember even just having to slow myself down. And that's why it's good to have accountability partners. Because after our first date, do you remember? I was like, I want to take him out to lunch. (laughs) It was just like, slow down. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to take him out to lunch. She was telling me to. Let him chase you a little bit, you know, like just. That's exactly what she said. And I was like, hmm fine. (laughs) Like I had a little bit of an attitude, but I'm glad I didn't rush to it. And then finally, maybe a few weeks later or something, he took me out to lunch. And at the end of lunch, I said, I got it. And then he really appreciated that, but it was sort of a give and take, but I know myself. And, and once I feel like, okay, the Lord has sort of told me that this is it, my mind is immediate. Like, okay, well, this is it. What are we even waiting for? And you know that, you know that I feel like for some reason, and I I don't know, this is something that God will reveal maybe when we're in heaven. I don't know, but it just seems like sometimes we get the revelation before the guys do. So like, I was ready to plan the wedding long before I think Robin had fully made up his mind about me, but I was already like, all right. So, you know, I don't think that engagements have to be long, especially when, you know, you're, you're courting, you're taking the time to be intentional with the time. And we could talk about that because your time wasn't short or wasn't long. Mine wasn't long. Um, and it, yeah, we'll get into that, but sometimes it seems like before the guys catch on. And so it's so hard to kind of maintain that composure to kind of, you know, even give the the guys room to show us who they are, because I do think that like, as women, when we're like, this could be it, this could really be it. We're like, I want to take them to lunch. I want to get matching tattoos. Let's get friendship braces. No. (laughs) And, and we need to like, kind of like, you know, just sit on our hands a little bit and let the guy, you know, then ask for, for the second date and the third date and see how is he going to pursue you? Because when a man knows what he wants, he is intentional about you. But if you don't give him room to show his creativity in planning dates, if you don't show him, if you don't give him room to kind of show you how frequently and how often he wants to talk to you, how frequently, and, and that's not playing like cat and mouse and hard to get, but it's just, you know, it's, it's wisdom. It's kind of like women, we are a prize. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You don't have to be pressed or thirsty for no man. And so it's just, just give it the time it needs for him to show you how, how God 
has taught him to pursue his wife. That is so important. And I remember after, so I'm a, I'm a naturally a talky person, right? I can talk to you all day on like text message. And I remember, so I met Cornell January 25th, right? We exchanged numbers. We went out to dinner. We had a good time. He invited me out to our meetup at Marcus's the next week. All throughout the week, I'm like, this man is not like really communicating. And I and that for me, you guys was like, this is not good because I like somebody that I'm going to be able to talk to. Like I had certain questions in my head, like, can this part, like, does he know how to have fun? I like to have fun. I like to, you know, be serious. I like balance and communication is very important to me. So I was just like, why isn't he like, we'll have like conversations and then it will stop. And then it'll be about two days. And then it was, and I had to remind myself that you've just met this person. Although you may be excited, you don't know what's going through that person's mind. So I had to really talk myself off of a ledge. And I remember him and I discussing this like months later, I was like, you didn't even talk to me often. He was like, yeah, because I didn't even know who you were really. Like Like, I didn't know if, you know, this his exact words, because I had a little attitude. He said, I didn't know if this was going to be a waste of my time. And I was like, wow, a waste (laughs) of time. Um, And he was like, I'd rather have a first like real conversation in person than over the phone. And I was like, okay, fair enough. I understand. And then when we did have that initial meetup, we talked forever, like until the place was shut. So provided attention. Right. And then after that, then the text messages were like, good morning, beautiful. How? Like it was fine. But before then, just even just understanding that there is no race. Like even after I felt like I knew that this was the man that God had for me, I still was, I would still say, you know, God still show me his heart. Yeah. Still show me like his, his highs, his lows, his flaws. I still need to know these things. You still have to give time some time. Yes. It, it, and, and you can know in week two, it doesn't mean that you should get married in week three. <laughs> there is some things that God wants you to work out individually and also work out together yeah. before it's time. And you have to, I mean, you're talking about marriage. You're not talking about a dating relationship. So you, you do want to give yourself time to be able to see somebody when they get angry, when they're overwhelmed, when they, when they've had a hard day, when they've had a rough day, how do they show up when something if something's happening in your life, like, you know, I, I really think that, um, I've been saying it a lot lately, but patience has always protected me. It has always been such a beautiful thing for me. And it's like, I think when it comes to dating relationships, it's like, we would really either be blessed beyond what we, what we could have even fathomed, or we can guard our hearts from so many issues. If we just had a little bit more patience. And I think it's very natural for any of us to get excited when we meet somebody who, who looks like, you know, some, but even in that, and this is not me being pessimistic or a Debbie Downer, this is just wisdom. The devil roams around, like presented himself like an angel of light, masqueraded like an angel of light too. So I'm just like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta wait some things out, you know, and also see, see if there are things that you can live with. Cause you know, you might get to know somebody, you might be like, this person's incredible. But if you can't, you can't tolerate certain things, or you find yourself constantly trying to change the person opposed to accept them for who they are, then it's kind of like, you know, you might need to reevaluate or just kind of 
move at a sl- even slower pace than that. Um, so yeah, give time some time. And I think it's important also, even before you get into while you're still single, sort of working out your deal breakers and your boundaries. Yeah. So you're still not trying to figure that out while dating because that's when the lines will get blurred if you you kind of don't have your mind made up. I know that one of the things that was important for me that I even had on the list that I pray about was that, you know, the person that I marry would really love my mom because my mom and I have a special type of relationship. Like she's my best friend. And I didn't want a person who didn't understand the relationship I have with my mom. And when it ones who would, you know, get along with my mom and lo and behold, what I ended up with is not only a man that loves my mom and can talk and like, I can leave them having like, I can, some of the conversations I'm like, I don't even belong in this conversation. I can leave you two to talk and it'll be fine. But I also ended up with a family that meshed really well with my family. So they came together quick. Yeah. Like his parents will call my mom to see how she's doing. My dad was helping with the renovation. So then they got to talking while they were here. So it, it was like everybody became one yeah. even before we actually got married, which was very important to me. But I know that if I didn't have that in my mind, like, okay, this person has to be able to get along well with my mom, but also get along well with my his mom. Like I'm watching how he's treating his mom because yeah. to me, that's an indicator of how he would treat me. So I'm watching how he's treating his mom, how he's treating his family, you know, what his family has to say, all of those things I'm being very cognizant of. I'm watching, I'm listening to, and, and I'm learning how to understand. Yeah. Which I think sure. is, is really, really important. Family, family values was a good relationship with his family and the value of family was important for me as well. And that's exactly what Robin has. And it was because it's, I grew up with family being it, God and family have been like the main two things that have kind of defined um, my upbringing, my childhood, our family dynamics. And so, you know, to have such an importance in those things and then to be with somebody who didn't. And, and of course, there's grace for people who may not have the best fam, um, relationship with their family and stuff like that. But to me, when I was praying, when I was being specifically specific, I wanted somebody who valued family time and wanted to, you know, create, create, um, create a place that our family could enjoy one another. And, you know, just that that importance was, um, was reiterated. And I think it it goes back to being very specific in what you're praying for, because I even had the, and I'm going to say I had the nerve to write on my list that I wanted, like, I hope uh, when I was praying that I hope my husband's parents or were still married. My parents were not. <laughs> so I felt like that was a bill to ask because your parents are not. What does it matter if his parents are? And lo and behold, I think his parents just celebrated their 38th wedding anniversary. And they're happily married. They're they ha- happy, they are, they happily are beautiful. Like goals, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you, what, what was funny is every time somebody would say like, you know, who I'm engaged to or who I was dating. And I would mention him and my husband and his father have the same name. And they would just say, oh, if he loves you anyway, like his father loves his wife, then you've got a good, like that's, that's sort of the representation they had in in the community, which was very important for me to hear and also see 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the, I love watching them love each other at like 69 and 70 and they're still going on their walks and they're still, you know, gardening and doing things together. And I can see them in the, in the corner giggling and snickering together. Like they're a bunch of teenagers. That is beautiful. Me, beautiful for me to watch and see and learn from. And then also knowing that that's what he's grown up with. So that was also something that we had to learn because he's grown up never ever seeing his parents like have an argument. There is a powerful legacy when a man loves his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Robin's parents have that same. And just listening to you talk about Cornell's parents. And I even think about my dad, my dad was known like people still to this day, when we are around family or go to Ohio and whatnot, they're like, one thing about your father, he loved his girls, your mom, your, in your, you and your sister. And I just think that, you know, men are sometimes, you know, they're just, the society, it's like, it's so warped. But like when a man really loves, like that is just such a tremendous and powerful legacy. And I just, I just encourage it. <laughs> I did have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Did you find that before you before you met Cornell, how was God preparing you? Did you feel like there was a preparation time before that transition happened? Like, was God starting to speak to you or show you stuff or? Um, I would say before I met him, God was helping me really one, be comfortable in who he's called me to be and Mm -hmm. showing up as myself, not a version of myself that is acceptable to society all of me. He was helping me show up, showing all of me, but also just things like working on my patience, working on submission, reading marriage books, like all those things I I started reading. And I remember it was November. That's when it was. It was November before I met Cornell. And I was watching a preaching by Dr. Darius Daniels. And he said somewhere in the message, really, really powerful message, He was saying how you need to be specific in what you're praying for, right? And all I could remember at that time was how people were saying, you know, women, they're just so specific, you know, they're, they're, they're getting in their own way. So I wasn't really, but, but that was sort of a worldly representation of what I, of, of what, you know, you're looking for, you want six, five and brown eyes and all sorts of things like that. But he was saying, he was preaching, he was saying, no, no, I want you to write down the characteristics Mm. that are important. He's like, it was, he said to, he said, it's fine to like what you like. There's nothing wrong that if you like tall, somebody tall, why are you going to show up to, to, to marriage counseling with somebody who's like five foot nothing if exactly. you're not physically attracted because there needs to be some attraction, but write down the characteristics. So that was the day I wrote down all of my characteristics. I think it was like 24 maybe things or 20, 20 something things. I wrote down in my list of characteristics and afterwards I said, and I left it in my phone. I didn't go back to it. I just left it in my phone. Didn't, didn't actually go back to it until you asked me for my list. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I asked you for the list. Yeah, you asked me for the list and I was like, God had me working. Okay. I was on a mission. Okay. A list. I have one of those, <laughs> but, um, I hope he continues this ministry of matchmaking in me because it's so much fun. Listen. I need another friend to like hook up. Oh no, I've got six. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I'm always or I'm like, Lord, we just need these lockdowns to lift so that I can be my little social butterfly self and start asking people, how's their right. heart, how's their life, where's their, their, yeah. I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to help because next I feel like. Guys, be there. Be square. I what said next you? singles conference, guys, be there or be square. Listen, I'm trying to have a singles conference in the summer. So I just need the everybody to get on board, the restrictions to lift, everybody to wear their mask and wash their hands. Who knows what 2021 has for you? I mean, 2020, what 2022 has for you. Okay, I need to move it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so those are the type of areas that I was trying to prepare. I was even starting to ask my mom to teach me how to cook certain things again. Yes. When I went away to university, I did a lot of cooking myself because I was living by myself. When I came back home, my mom is like a backseat cooker. Like, you know how you have a backseat driver? I turn my back and I can tell she's like throwing things in the pot when I'm not looking. So I I didn't have the time or patience for that. So I'm like, if you want to cook it your way, cook it your way. My way is just as tasty. It's just a bit more healthy. Like, we don't need all that oil. This was... So, you know, I was like, okay, it's been a few years. I don't remember exactly how to cook a few things. And it, it took me a while. So when I started, um, when Cornell and I started courting and he would cook me, like we'd do picnics and he would have dinner outside. This is like during pandemic. So we couldn't have dinner in his parents' house because, you know, his parents were like, you're not coming in here. We don't know you yet. <laughs> right. You might have germs. You might have COVID. Um so I would go and have dinner like or lunch on his porch and things like that that he would make. So I wanted to cook him something. It was some holiday. And I said, okay, I'm really good at making oxtails, but it's been a while. I don't eat meat. I'm, I do not eat meat anymore. I was vegan for two years and now I just started eating fish. And I already had told myself that if I'm not like my practice was if I'm not eating the meat, I'm not cooking it for anybody else. Because my family used to love when I made ribs and macaroni and cheese. Both things I don't eat. So we'll have a barbecue and I'd show up with Beyond Burgers and that would be my like, contribution. So I remember I said, you know what? I feel like I should cook for him. And I went and I bought the stuff and I cooked for him. And he was like in love with the cooking. And I was like, thank you, Lord, because this cooking and can't taste it is a whole different level of cooking. It's a whole other level of faith. It's a whole nother level of faith. Like I, I told him I made like Sunday, I wanted to make our first Sunday dinner. So I made a roast Thai curry chicken, never made it before. Right. So I'm following the recipe and I'm leading things and I'm saying, honey, this doesn't look right. I'm going to add this. You tell me if you like how it tastes. And at first he kept saying, you know, it's up to you. I'm like, no, really, it's not up to me. It's up to you. I'm not eating this. <laughs> so you have to tell me how it tastes. Um, I don't know how we got on this topic. Right. Preparation. There we go. Preparation. So the so just things like that that were coming to my mind. Like, okay, well, let's let's remember how to cook again for more people than just yourself, and you know, maybe know how to season meat again because you haven't done it in a while. Like things like that. I, I was learning making man sized portion meals because their stomach size to. That again, going back to my first year, I live with women. We eat like birds because I don't know what it is. We just, we eat like birds. And so when I married a man, I, I'm married to an island man. That's what I have to remember sometimes. I'm <laughs> like, Robin is a whole Bahamian. Like he, this man likes to eat. And so because I never grew up, I'm, you know, I'm from Atlanta, 
living in Bermuda. What do I know about like Caribbean food and stuff? I just learned how to make lemon pepper chicken wings, but having to learn how to make his meals and, and cook for his portion size, because I was getting so frustrated with cooking because I would make one, <laughs> one meal. It's gone. Like, and think that I'll have, you know, cause when I was yeah, cooking, think I'd have leftovers, no such thing as leftovers. So I've had to change my strategy and and learn how to adapt. But I definitely think that there is a season of preparation before you get into courtship that God takes you through. So for me, I was at one, probably two, two years, three years before moving, before meeting Robin, I was living in a studio apartment by myself and feeling sorry for myself, pretty much just like, Lord, everyone around me is married or in a relationship and I'm just here twiddling my thumbs, da, 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 da. And so it was in that space where he started to shift my mindset from thinking as a single woman to walking in the faith of you will be married one day. You're praying about it. This is your desire. God's not taking the desire away from you. You've, you've put everything at the forefront, you know, before him. And so now let's shift from acting like you're single and independent to starting to develop as someone's wife. And so for me, you know, I remember he started saying faithfulness doesn't happen just because you got a ring on your finger. Marriage does not solve lust. Mm. It does not change you automatically overnight, which is a huge misconception that we have as singles is that marriage is going to miraculously change us. Once we say I do like, then we won't suffer with loneliness. We won't have all of these things. And, and I remember the Lord giving me that revelation back then, because I was like, if I was just married, if I just had somebody and he was like, no, 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 you're still going to have to do the work. You're still going to have to be practice, you know, these things that I'm teaching you now. So let's, let's start to get you in training now. So I remember faithfulness. So it was faithfulness was one of them. So I, I stopped entertaining the little big head text when I got lonely. I was like, no, I am waiting for a husband. I have, cre- I am creating this space in my life for him to be introduced. I am not going to have him introduced to me while I still have little Johnny Paul over here just for entertainment. Like I'm cutting them off, delete block and got time. And then I remember when the Lord was like, okay, now I want you to learn how to cook. Like you said. So I started learning how to cook. Um, I would actually make meals. And then my neighbor at the time, he was a single man. So not that nothing like that, but he was a single man. So I would just drop him off food and be like, Hey, how does this taste? He was like a big brother. And I started learning that way. And then me just taking it in a next level. Cause I'm like, Oh, all I need is a little mustard seed of faith to run all the way. I started grocery shopping as though I was learning how to grocery shop for a household. And so then, you know, that season kind of ended. Um, I moved back in with my mom and my sister and I felt that my family <laughs> was the best preparation for marriage. It was also the hardest because your family, you're familiar. There is no emotional romance and stuff like that. Butterflies. It's like, this is family. You serve, you love, you forgive, you pray for them, you cover them, et cetera. And so living back with my mom and my sister, it was another level of training for being a peacemaker in the house, you know, saturating the atmosphere, not getting distracted and still making sure that you carve out that time with the Lord. Um, you know, just so many different things that my family taught me because I lot 
by letting the Holy Spirit develop me that prepared me for then getting married. And I think even in praying for a mate, I almost like stopped praying. Once I, once my mind shifted to, okay, I will get married one day. It's just, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And I'm doing the act of faith, you know, for positioning myself to be, to be found in a sense. I stopped focusing so much on him and started focusing more on the type of woman that I wanted to be, the type of wife I wanted to be. I wanted to speak life into my home. I want to be one that, you know, saturated the house with peace. I wanted, I want to be a woman who my husband, actually Robin gave me the best compliment to the other day. He came home and um, we were praying and he prayed. He's like, thank you, Lord, for a wife that makes it enjoyable to come home. And I was just like, yes, that's, that is it. <laughs> that, that made me smile from ear to ear. Cause that's what I wanted to be when I was single is like, I want to be a wife that my husband's excited to come home. He can't wait to knock off for work. Cause he knows we're going to play. We're going to dance. We're going to cook. We're going to pray. We're going to watch movies. We're going to laugh. You know, he can escape those kind of cares and concerns of the world. And so those are important things that when you are single and you're thinking about marriage and you're thinking about courtship, that you don't just think about it. Like you want a pair of triceps and biceps in your bed. you got to think about it soberly from all different angles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go back to, you were saying, letting go of entertaining people, right? Mm-hmm. When you're single and you're bored, because I completely understand that. And I think that's something that we as women tend to do because when we're single, you know, and we're waiting and we're like waiting on God and God seems like he's taking long and now you're, you're bored and you want something that's going to entertain you. You may not want to date them, but you start looking for little entertainments. And I remember when I was single, it was, um, my ex, my would always pop up always pop. Let me tell you something about the devil. Okay? <laughs> I'm not calling him the devil, but I'm just telling you something about the devil. When you're in your most loneliest moment is when you always get one of those pop-up texts from somebody you should not be entertaining. And I remember having to get to a point where I had to say to him and keep saying to him before I finally got to that whole block and delete thing, the Lord is sending my husband and you're not him. I was very frank. I was like, the Lord is sending my husband and you're not him. Like, I can't talk to you right now. And I remember he was like, oh, you're dating somebody. I said, that doesn't matter. The Lord is sending my, you're not hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. The Lord is sending my husband and I know you are not him. And I had to keep saying that to myself. Like, that is not your husband. That is not the person God has for you. Even though I knew this mm-hmm. and finally getting to a point where I, I, I had to be very strong and I got to the block and delete. And I remember getting moving from getting block and delete on one area, then I would get like a text message and I have to block and delete. Then I would get a Facebook request or a new Instagram request and I had to block and delete. Then I was getting emails and I was like, okay, all right, Lord, I see your point. And I remember even maybe a year or so later, seeing certain things come up mm. and the Lord's just like, and, and God basically showing me what he protected me from. Ooh, amen. And I was just like, is that like, even up until a few months ago, again, the Lord showed me something. I was like, you were looking out for me, God. Like, thank you. Because in, we can grow weary in our patience waiting on a mate, which is completely understandable. We are human, but we have to remember that God's best for you is better than just settling to say Mm. that you have somebody. Because in the settling, you will still be disappointed. In the settling, you're still going to be yearning for things that you've been praying for that you 
feel like you didn't get because you settled rather than waiting for who God has for you. And then realizing that, okay, God, he was looking out. Cause let me tell you, the Lord takes care of all areas of your life, all the things you, you need, all the things that you want and the things you didn't even know you need. God is providing for you and, and making somebody who could be right now, you know, God is covering him and anointing him and preparing him for marriage while you're being prepared on the other end. So don't grow weary in your patience is what I want to say. And like your pastor told me when I was single, without her even realizing where I was at in my single season, don't settle, settle for Ishmael, wait for Isaac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about the thing about counterfeits, right? I feel like this should be a part two. This, I don't know. Listen, I don't know I've, I've been, okay, you have been listening to Langray and I talk about transitioning from being single, engaged to married. Of course, before we started the conversation, we knew this was going to be a long one. So I'm going to stop it here and pick it back up so you guys can join us for part two of this conversation. All right, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray Plan Slave Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us.